0: God is good and all the time. I'm actually kind of shocked that everybody knew that. I always wanted to say that from this point right here. I heard that all my life, uh, so I thought I would lead with that. Um, First off, I just wanted to say thank you for being a part of tonight. Um, I was actually quite honored to be asked, along with Carrie, if I can speak on her behalf, to be asked to lead tonight and to be in charge. Um, Obviously, this is a call that both of us have. And it's a real honor to do this tonight. As I was looking up some things for Ash Wednesday, as Carrie explained earlier and as in the passages, Ash Wednesday is the start of Lent, is the start of a time where we are to set ourselves aside and really focus on what Christ wants us to do in our lives. Um, So from today, 40 days until Easter, it's a time where we have to look at ourselves and really self-evaluate, and one word that came to me when I was looking at all this, and looking at a point, and a one word that Christ was trying to tell me was that we're broken, we live in a broken world, um, and we need him more than ever, uh, especially in this day and age. Um, I look back on my life, Uh, my life was uh, was always perfect to me, but there was a time in my life where I strayed away from God himself. Um, I was raised in a Christian home. I was raised uh, with Christian parents and a Christian family, which I was not grateful for it then, but I'm grateful for it now. Um, as some of you probably know from experience, you weren't grateful for it at that point in time, but as life goes on, you are grateful for those moments. But I always knew that God had better plans for me. So in elementary school through middle school, I was always involved in the church, but once I got to high school is when I really started to veer off course. I wanted to live the life that Christ had for. Me. I wanted to live the life that I wanted to live, not the life that Christ wanted me to live. So I started getting involved in. I'm not going to go into too many details. Started getting involved in alcohol, drugs, and many other things that really influenced my life in that time. That I thought were cool, and I thought that this is the life that I wanted to live. But it comes to a point. My dad had his own church when I was in high school. And that's when I really started to play God and really take him to his advantage. I really didn't want anything to do with him unless I needed him, which would be either when a family member was lost or I was in a bind and I just really needed his help. And now I look back on it, that wasn't fair of me. It wasn't fair to do that to anybody, especially Christ himself. Um, But I was putting on a mask for those years of my life. I was putting on a fake smile because I didn't, want to see, I didn't want anybody else to see how broken I was, how broken my life really was. I thought I had it all together. But I put on a mask for everybody else to see because I was ashamed of who I was. I had a lot of insecurities. But I was seeking the approval of other people instead of seeking the approval of Christ. But we've all been there. We've all done that. We've all, your life may not have been the way my life was, you may not, you might, you might be telling yourself, well, I wasn't as broken as what Tyler says, or I might have been more broken. In my life may be more broken than you think. But we've all been there. We've all been through bad relationships that you may be in right now. Um, your marriage may be on the rocks. Um, you may not have the best financial state right now. Um, you may have lost a family member. There's times in your life, broken is a vast term. It means many different things. It just doesn't mean, well, ty- I mean, my life is just a mess. There's many different aspects to that. So this can relate to you as well. This is a time where we need to set ourselves aside and really see what Christ has for us in this time of this season. But the story that I really want to go to in the Bible is in John chapter 4. Uh, many of you may know this story. Is Jesus at the well with the Samaritan woman. Just give you a little prelude to the scripture passage that I'll be going to. At this time, Jesus and his disciples were, his ministry was in full swing. He was, they actually were, disciples were baptizing people. And they were coming through Samaria on their way back to Galilee. Um, and they made a pit stop just because they were tired, they were exhausted. Jesus had actually sent his disciples into the village to get supplies. And after reading it, then Jesus heads to the well. And first off, Jews and Samaritans do not get along whatsoever. It's kind of like the Hatfields and McCoys. They don't get along at all um, because there's a lot of bad tension there through history. And it was about noontime in this day. It doesn't give us a certain day. But for women in that time, going to be able to draw water out of a well, be able to socialize with other people was the high point of their day. It's the high point of maybe their week because in that time, women really didn't get to do much at all let alone be able to go draw water and to socialize with other people. So at noontime, when, he seen, when the Samaritan woman was coming to the well, for me, when I read it, she was going through a lot. The Samaritan woman, first off, was on, sixth, on her sixth man of a series of men. Um, so you could say she was searching for more, but she was filling it with a temporary fix that leads to a permanent pain because she was replacing those men with other men because they wasn't satisfying her. Um, and we can say that we've been that in our life. We've put temporary fixes in our heart and temporary fixes in our life that lead to a permanent pain instead of filling it with the permanent solution, which is Christ's redemption. So it goes on in verse 7. So at this time, Jesus was at the well, and he asked the Samaritan woman for some water. It says, soon as the Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised for Jews, Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. First off, this lady had no idea who she was talking to at all. She had no clue that she was standing in front of the Messiah. She was completely oblivious to what was going on. And we've been there. I've been there in my life where Christ has shown up. He's been seeking me, but have we been seeking him in that moment? She said to Jesus, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, If you only knew the gift of God has for you, and who you are speaking to, you would ask me, and I would give you living water. But sir, she was questioning Jesus, because like I said, she had no idea who she was talking to. She's like, Who is this man? Who does he think he is? She said, you don't, But sir, you do not have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water from? And besides, do you think you are greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, Anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give them will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water, then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. (laughs) So you're sitting there. When I read that, it really spoke to me because, first off, how many times, Like I said, how many times in our lives have we been completely unaware of Christ in that moment because we're too busy about what other people are going to think, how I act, or seeking the approval of other people instead of seeking the approval of Christ? This lady, like I said, she was experiencing brokenness in her life. She had voids in her heart that she was filling with men. She was... Ashamed because she was looked down upon from her community. That's one of the reasons why she went to the well at noon to avoid other people because she couldn't stand to look at anybody else because they would always remind her of what she was doing wrong instead of picking her up and letting her know that she is loved. But in that moment, I believe that she experienced true brokenness in that because it goes on to say that Jesus tells her, Go grab your husband. She's like, Well, I don't have a husband. He's like, You're right. You got six. He calls her out on it. He calls her out because I believe Christ has to call us out on our brokenness, and we have to be willing to admit that we are broken and we have done things wrong. And she does that. She says, I don't have a husband. She admitted She didn't have a husband. She had six. She had one too many in my book. But in that time, she really she realized who she was talking to. She wanted this living water. In fact, this living water represents the salvation and the love and the Holy Spirit that Christ will give us as long as we ask for it and are willing to admit that we are weak and we are broken and we need him more than ever. So in that time, that day, she had been living this life for some time now. And it goes back to saying, Jesus seeks us only even though we are not seeking him. That woman had no clue what was going to happen that day. She had no idea that she was going to meet the Messiah. She had no idea that she was going to get this living water, the salvation, the love, the Holy Spirit, and the redemption that Christ has for us that day that would change her life forever. But she was willing to admit that she was broken. She was willing to admit that she was weak. She set aside all her pride. She set aside all her anger. She has set aside her stubbornness, if I can say that, Because she realized in that point, in that point in her life, that she needed Christ more than ever. And so to go on, this story really speaks to me because in my life, when I experienced my true brokenness that led to true redemption at the altar, was the same passage of scripture that I'm speaking to you right now. I can remember it like it like it was yesterday. I was around 21 years old and i was living a life of sin living a life of complete anger and i was just disgusted with myself but i thought i was living the life that i wanted to live i thought this is what the plans that i was going to continue with through the future and i remember i got off work on a friday afternoon early met a buddy at a place and had was there for probably 3 hours and had 10 drinks couldn't even walk out of that restaurant, couldn't even walk out but got in a vehicle, drove an hour down the road, picked up more on the way, was driving, and now that I look back on it, I was passed out on the backside of my truck, on the tailgate, bent over, because I was so out of it, And at that point, a flashlight hit me in the face. And this is what really hurts me is when it was a family with three kids walking through the campground, and they see this stupid guy passed out on the backside of his truck because he was living a life of sin, living a life of just terrible decisions in my life. And it was like God told me, He's like, Is this what you want out of your life? Is this where you want to be? Is this what you want? Because he's like, this, is a, this isn't what I want. This isn't what I want for you. It goes back to Jeremiah 29, 11. It's a verse that I live by. It says, God has the plans for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. That wasn't my hope and future at that truck. Even though I didn't give it to God that night, exactly one week later, I was in my dad's church about halfway back in the pew. The only reason why I came to church that morning is because my grandparents were there. My grandfather started singing this song called There's a River, speaking about this exact passage about living water that I'll never thirst again. And God called me on my true brokenness in that pew. His love, the Holy Spirit came over top of me, and I admitted that I was weak. I set aside my pride. I set aside what other people were going to think about me. I set aside, seeking the approval of other people instead of seeking the approval of Christ. I sat back, and I experienced true brokenness that led me to the altar to experience true redemption. And it changed my life forever. So we're here to experience the start of Lent season, which leads 40 days to Easter, leads to the death of Christ himself. Just let me tell you, in 40 days... 2,000 years ago or more the only way we can experience true redemption is because Christ suffered true brokenness on the cross for us that's the only way that true redemption comes is by Christ suffering the ultimate test the true brokenness of this world the true brokenness of our decisions and he is willing to give you that true redemption he is willing to give you that as long as you are asking for it and you are going to admit that you are weak and that you need him in your life now, I have to ask you, what's holding you back from letting him work in your life? What's holding you back from letting him work in that relationship? What's, letting him, what's holding you back from letting him intervene in a relationship with a child or a family member that may be going down the wrong way? What's holding you back from letting him change your life forever? Set aside the pride. Set aside the anger. Set aside what... Others are going to think of you. Who cares? I, 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 was, I suffered for that for many years, worrying about what other people are going to think of me. And I, when I finally realized that true brokenness in that pew, I really did not care what other people thought of me. I was living for Christ. I was living for my heavenly father because he has better plans for me. He has better plans for you. But are you willing to admit that you need him more than ever? We have to stop being stubborn. We have to stop being angry at the world and stop being angry at God himself. God always provides a way out of every circumstance in your life. So whatever it is, there's a way out. It just has to, has to see if you're smart enough to give it to God and let him take you that way. So what I'm asking you and challenging you with is why not? Why aren't you what is stopping you so, so much from not giving it to Christ? This 40 days is a time where you can look at your life and be like, "Okay, Christ, God, where do you want, wh- what areas of my life are you willing to work in? What areas of my life am I going to give to you to make my life better? What are you holding back from God?" Now you may be sitting there saying, "Well, I've been a Christian for 25 years. I don't care if you've been a Christian for 25 seconds or 25 years." The Bible says that we're supposed to take, if we want to be followers of Christ, we're supposed to take up our cross every day and follow him and turn from our selfish ways. It doesn't matter. I've been a Christian for three years or however long you've been, 50 years. This is a daily surrender that Christ tells us we have to do day in and day out. This isn't a one-time thing, one time a year. All right, God, I'll give this to you today. Next time I give this to you, it's not going to be 365 days from now. It needs to be tomorrow, and then it needs to be the next day. Because that's when Christ will really work in you and that's when you will really experience the true redemption that Christ has that leads to the hope that happens in 40 days from now. So as we get ready to close, like I said, I challenge you to really look at your life. Look at some of the situations you have going on. I'll, even myself, I'm sitting here thinking of some of the ways that Christ is, I could use Christ more in certain relationships. I'll give you an example. I have a, a dad that I, haven't, I hadn't seen in two years uh, because he had left my family after 25 years. And I'll be honest with you, I haven't fully given it to Christ because I'm scared. I was, I was scared of wanting to restore that relationship because I didn't want to get hurt again. But it's like God said, don't worry about it. I got it. He said, don't worry about it. He said, I've overcome the world. He said, I'll handle this situation more than ever. But I had to be willing and admit that I needed him in that area because I wanted to take care of it myself. I wanted, that's the man, the man instinct in us. We want to take care of things ourselves. We wanted everybody to rely on us, but God wants us to rely on him. We're getting ready to show a video clip here in a minute that may put all this, it's going to put all this into perspective. If I didn't hit anything, it's just going to explain what the ashes represent. I just want to leave you with this. Stop holding stuff back from God. He already knows what's going on. He's just wanting you to ask him and admit that you need him. Because when you do that, you're going to experience so much grace and love that he has for you. You won't even know how to handle it. Because I still don't know how to handle it. There's a lot of people in this room that probably still can't explain it. But we have to be willing and admit that we need him in this time, in this era, and this year, in this day. Because we need him more than ever. The world has never been a more broken place than it is now. So, I'm like I said, look at your life. This is the time we're getting ready to prepare for the communion in ashes. The altars will be open. Just look and let Christ move in your life. Set aside everything else. Put yourself on the back burner and let Christ move to the front. And let him just work.